We are in the third part series this morning. Uh, Pastor Keith started a new series called The Butterfly Effect. Um, two weeks ago he started this, and today I'm actually going to be just presenting Pastor Keith's word. We're going to be doing part three. It's going to be concerning action. Uh, we started out with thoughts, and then we went to words. You know, we have to, it, this is a, um, a place of order in the way to uh, get a, a complete understanding of this series is starting with our thoughts. We have to start with a thought process. We have to get, if you want a, an area of change in your life, uh, Pastor Keith started this, like I said, a couple weeks ago, and he said that he wanted you to identify a part of change within your life. So <clears throat> whatever that part is, we want to continue it this morning, and we're going to be talking about action. But we had to start with the thought process. If you, it, this, this is where it begins. It begins in your mind. And then you have to transfer it into words. So last week we spoke about words. You know, Jesus himself spoke creation into existence. The power of words. You see, we were created. It doesn't matter if you believe it or not. If the world believes it or not, we were created in the image of God. Now, that's not just in this, in this flesh, okay? That's within our spirit. But also within our spirit and also within our words that we have power through words because we received that power from God. Especially if you've been born again and then you've been baptized in the spirit now you have power, and we're going to look at, at our very last um, verse of Scripture this morning. When we get to it, we're going to see how Jesus was anointed with power. And we as Christians that be Christ-like, we also are anointed with the power of the Holy Spirit. So we can speak power of words to life. You with me? So this morning, we're going to look at another part of it. We're going to be looking at action. But if you could change your life, would you? And is there anything in your life that you would like to change? Then you have to identify it. Now, we hope that you did that two weeks ago. But if you, if you just got started last week or this morning, if you're just here for the first time of this series, you have to identify whatever part of change that you need. But the good news is, it, is that you can change. You can change because God gives every human being the power of choice and you get to choose the life that you live. Uh, go to the next slide. There we go. Um, it's the power that's given to us within the spirit to be able to change whatever, whatever that is that you want to change in your life, then you use the Spirit to do it. Y'all with me? The flesh can't handle it. I'm just telling you, it can't handle it. So before we get started, well, let me go ahead and read our scripture. It's in Deuteronomy. It's the same scripture that, that Pastor Keith's been reading. We're going to read it throughout the entire series. 
God tells them, Moses is speaking in this part. He's writing this. He's telling them about this because it's a prophecy, if you will, to the nation of Israel of things that's going to come about because of their choices. You know, Pastor Keith talked about this in the past two weeks. Even though other things happen around you, other people can cause things to happen, but for the overall, the life that you live is by the choices that you make. And Moses is given the, the nation of Israel. This is God speaking to the nation. He says, today I have given you a choice between life and death. You know, I, 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 I praise God that he gives us a choice. You know, even though we sin, and then the debt of that sin is death, God made a provision, a way through his son that we might live. And this is a prophecy of that. This is a prophecy spoken to the nation of Israel to be shared among the people to understand that you have a power of choice. You see, the home, human beings is the only ones that has that. Animals don't have a choice. A duck is a duck. He has a swim and eating water. He has no other choice. That's why they migrate. Because when it starts freezing up, the water froze up, they can't eat. They got to migrate. Duck has no choice. We have choices. And it's a power of choice. And he says, today I've given you the choice between life and death, between blessing and curses. You've got a choice of a blessing or a curse. Now I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. Oh, that you would choose life so that you and your descendants might live. You see, God gave us a choice, but he had a way that he wanted us to choose. I mean, it even says it. He says that, oh, that I would have you choose life. You know, one of my favorite movies, I even named my dog after him, is Josie Wells. And I remember at the end of the outlaw Josie Wells, he run up on uh, the, the Indian chief uh, ten bears, and he just rode right up in his camp. He was bold enough to ride right up in the camp. And I know if you watch a movie, if you see it, I'm just giving you a little, it's the only way a redneck knows how to do it. Anyway, I'm giving you a little illustration. But when he comes riding up in there, them Indians is looking at one another and says, like, what kind of boldness has this white man got riding right up in my camp? And he rode right up dead up in their face. And he rode right up to the chief and he gave him a choice. He asked him why he was there. He said, I'm here to either give you life or give you death. It's your choice. Even though all them braves around him could take him out, he was basically telling him, he said, I'm going to take you out. It's your choice. I can take you out or you can live. And I loved the way that Indian stood up there and he looked around. And he said, he could tell that he had faith in his words. Because he asked him, he said, where's your life, breath of life and breath of death? He said, death is in my pistols and life is in my words. And that Indian knew he was true. Just like I'm telling you this morning, God's true. His word's true. His spirit's true. And his life is true. 
and his choice is true. And that Indian said, I choose life. I think that's the best one to choose at the time, don't you? But the difference was that the boldness of the truth rode right up in his camp and told him face to face. God has told us face to face in his word, his choice of life or death, and it's your choice. You see, you can't blame God if you choose death. People want to blame him all day long. The world tries to blame him. You know, I, I've always been overwhelmed by the ones that are called atheists. And some of these big-time atheists, the last words they had was they cursed God before they died. What did they just prove? That there is a God. And that his life is in his words. Now, we can choose life or death. And we hope that each one of you chooses life. And it needs to start in our thought process. It needs to go through our words. And then we have to put it to action. The next verse says, you can make this choice by loving the Lord your God, obeying him, and committing yourself firmly to him. This is the key of life. And if you love and obey the Lord, you will live long in the land that the Lord swore, swore to the ancestors of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Now, I also like the way that the, the, I'm going to give you a little theology lesson this morning. Wherever in the Bible, when you see these kind of things happen, especially when it's talking to Israel, it always talks about the God and the land of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It does that for a reason. Jesus is the only way to the throne of God. And he's through Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Isaac was the son of the promise. The rest of the world, what's left is ones who follow the devil. And that's just the way it is. And they are trying to follow the, the one of Abraham, Ishmael, and Muhammad. That's not the way. You know, them folks is trying to get to God, but they can't because they're going the wrong way. Because Jesus is the only way. And he's the true life. He's the true spirit and the true word because it was he that spoke everything into existence, not Muhammad. Y'all with me? So God was giving them this thing that says, choose life or choose death. So there's four areas of change, our thoughts or words, then our actions and our attitudes. So this morning we're going to talk about actions. Next week, Pastor Keith will finish it up with attitudes. And these are the, way, these are the things that would determine our life. A small change in these areas will make a big difference. That's the butterfly effect that we're talking about. A small change will make a big difference. Now, I want to go ahead and tell you this morning that Three weeks ago, before he started this, I was in the need of change. About three weeks ago, Lisa come to me one day. She knew I was aggravated. She knew I was tore up. Hey, it happens. If you're not careful, the spirit will creep in on you if you're not ready and if you're not guarded, and you can get aggravated. 
And she asked me, she said, how can I help you? And I looked her dead in the eye, without batting the eye, and I said, you need to kill about half the people around me. Now, you laugh if you want to, but I was very serious. I was mad. I was mad at the world. People aggravate the far out of me. But you know what the problem is? It ain't the people. It was me. And I had to, I had to realize that, and I had to accept that. You see, I wanted to blame everybody else. And I still want to in a way because they get in my way. And they aggravate me. They aggravate me, don't they? <laughs> now, I'm not a pastor. It's hard to be a pastor. I don't know how Pastor Keith does it. He's, he's got a special anointing is what he's got. Because it's very hard for me to love people the way he does. But God's working on me, okay? So, I love all y'all. <laughs> okay. Just as long as y'all don't get in my way on the way home. But you know, I had to start with changing my thought process to begin with. I had to change the way I thought about my instances. And then the very next week when he started talking about the words, Keith sat right up here and I sat right back there and he preached to me. There wasn't nobody else in this room and he sat there and preached to me. He said, because if you hate your job, you need to change the way you think and the way you speak about your job. And I hated my job. And I got a pretty good job. I make pretty good money. But I was about willing to lay it down because I was so aggravated. And then I finally had to realize that it ain't the job. It's the way I thought about the job. It's the way I spoke about the job. And now I'm going to preach to me this morning on my actions toward the job. Because our actions is what counts. You know, the Bible says faith without works is dead. Let's put that one in perspective, what it's really saying. Faith without actions is dead. So I can sit there and think about it all day. I can speak about it all day. But until I do it, it's dead. We've got to put actions. So our actions is where it counts. So let's look at the next slide. This is Galatians. <laughs> They're not filming me. They're just recording me. He told me not to turn around and look at the screen, but I can't stand it. That's the way I work. <laughs> they can edit that out. Galatians 6, we're going to look at the, at the scripture for it this morning. I don't got myself messed up. <clears throat> you know, Galatians is a good, is a good book of action. Let, let, me give you, let me give you another little theological. I almost tried to study this out too much. I, I think I studied this message too much. 
So I'm trying to just go and get real with you, and I'm going to try to get a good spiritual understanding with you. But in Habakkuk 2.4, it says that the just shall live by faith. And then Paul quotes that scripture three times. He quotes it in Romans 1.17. He, quote, he quotes it in Galatians 3.11. And then he does it again in Hebrews 28. Now, for some of you out here, if you're saying, look at me, say, how do we know Paul wrote? And we don't know who wrote Hebrews. Okay, so you don't. Paul quotes it three times in Scripture. Well, guess what? He does it in Romans. And you know what Romans is? Study the book of Romans. That's how you ask for the just, how to, be, how to live a just life. It's the book of Romans. He quotes it there. Galatians tells you how to live. He quotes it again. And then Hebrews chapter 11, and it's 1028 when he does that, 1038, when he does it again, it's right before chapter 11, which is the great faith chapter. So he quotes it each time, and, and, and Romans is the way to live just. Galatians is the way to live. Hebrews is the faith. The just shall live by faith. So it's actions of your faith. So it's a good thing that it's in Galatians just gives you, I'm, I'm just throwing that out at you so you can study that if you will and you get a good way to live as the book of Galatians gives you that answer. And God tells them this through Paul. He says, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he sows his flesh, will of this flesh reap corruption. But if he sows of the Spirit, will of the Spirit live or receive everlasting life. So what's he telling us? How are we to sow? Do we sow into the flesh? Guess what? Guess what the flesh is going to receive? It's just reward. We can receive in the Spirit everlasting life it's a choice what you sow so shall you reap and Paul is given this truth you see we're going to have to if you expect to change even in the way you act because that's what actions is it's the way you act okay and that's that's the I looked up all kinds of definitions for action this past week and it just really just boiled, there's a bunch of them for it, right? But it just really boiled down, it's just the way you act. And sometimes we just need to act right. And our actions need to be true. And it needs to be in the spirit, not in the flesh. <clears throat> you see, when I was in the fifth grade, I'm going to go ahead and tell them myself. When I was in the fifth grade, I received my first F. I got my report card. My first six weeks of the fifth grade, we got this little smart aleck teacher come down from up north trying to teach us in Lacey Springs, Alabama. And I got this report card, and I opened it up, and I got my normal B's and C's and my normal, my normal stuff, my reading and arithmetic and all that stuff, social security. And I got down here at the bottom, and I had an F. I said, what in the world? And, it, and, and she wrote out beside it, conduct. Now, I was always a class clown. 
I breathed and lived it. I loved it. And this smart aleck teacher wrote in conduct and graded me on something I didn't know I was being graded on. I call that unfair. <laughs> you can call it whatever you want to. I call it unfair. So on the way home, I looked, I showed it to my brother, and my brother just goes laughing. He's seven years older than me. He thought that's the funniest thing he ever seen. He'd lie. I said, but it ain't funny. He said, no, but when mama whoops you, it's going to be. <laughs> and I said, what is it? He said, it's the way you act, stupid. I said, mm. I did. I got an F in conduct because I was cutting up. It's the way you act. You know, sometimes in God's grade card, I still get F's. But we need A's. And I'm striving for the A. I'm striving for an action. I'm going to go ahead and throw one out at you. I'm going to try to be politically correct. Do you know what you call a spouse? that's got two black eyes, nothing. You done told them twice. Actions. Let's look at our next one. And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are in our, our, our the household of faith. So what Paul is telling us is he's saying, do not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not lose heart. You see, sometimes it's hard, and this stuff will creep in on you like it creeped in on me if you're not careful, because we, we I mean, I've been doing this for a long time, folks. And I've been always trying, you can ask Lisa, I always try to do what I'm supposed to do no matter what the outcome is. No matter how hard it is, how long it takes me, I always want to do what I'm supposed to do. You see, a lot of times I'm not crazy about getting up here and, and speaking the word. I really ain't. But when Pastor Keith asked me to get up here and do it, that's a reason. And I'm not crazy about doing it. But I do what I'm supposed to do. And I keep doing what I'm supposed to do. I tithe. In fact, I do more. In fact, I, 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 I do about 28% is what I try to do. I, try to, I, I, I just try to do more and more as I can do in the spirit and in love and everything. And then, and then things keep getting on my nerves and I call it people. But it's just the spirit of the enemy is what it is. And I'm calling it people. And I have to realize that I need to keep on, keeping on, keeping on. Because at the end, God will reward me. And I keep looking for the reward in my flesh. And that's not what the word says. Because if you sow to the flesh, to the flesh you receive corruption. If you sow to the Spirit, to the Spirit you, leave, you, you receive everlasting life. You, you, you see, the, 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 the Spirit 
is where you get the joy and the peace and understand you don't get it in the flesh because people ain't going to give you time to have joy and peace and relaxation. They're going to drive you batsos. But when I get in the Word and when I get alone and when I get with God and when I get in the Spirit, then I can have relaxation. Then I can have peace. Then I can have assurance of an everlasting life that's ahead of me. And then I have something to look forward to and do good and not grow weary. I was, going, I was growing weary and trying to do good because I allowed the spirit to creep, a bad spirit to creep in on my spirit. I take my halo off for a few moments, lay it to the side and tell you the truth. It will come. It will happen. I don't care who you are. But we guard ourselves to that. And we do it in our minds and in our words. And now we need to do it in our actions. We need to act the word. You with me? Let's look at the next one. The only way to change your harvest is to change what you do. Insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over, expecting a different result. What a man sows, so shall he reap. If you sow a watermelon seed, you better expect to get a watermelon. Because if you go out there and sow a watermelon seed and a corn stalk comes up, then you need to wake yourself up because you're dreaming. That's not reality. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Y'all getting me? You've got to sow what you expect to reap. Or you better expect to reap what you sow. Either way you want to look at it. You know... I, I, I do some farming. I used to farm all through the 80s. I farmed for a living. I don't know how I did it, but I did. Can't make a living at it no more. But I still like to farm. I still love the springtime. I love watching stuff grow. I, wa I love watching stuff come alive. I love it. And during the whole time of my farming, I, we, we, did a lot, we did a lot of cotton farming. Cotton's hard work. It's year-round. You know, if you think them, them cotton farmers are just putting a seed in the ground here and then just harvesting over here and just going home, you all bad wrong. That's every day, all day. Even in the wintertime, you working. But I loved it. I just flat loved it. And I took pride in the way I did it. Even when I planted, you know, nowadays they got planters and stuff. It's all GPS tracked. They, they, they put their farm in. They got a tractor that runs off GPS. That thing, not only will it plant, it will, it will drive itself across the field. It will lift the planter up. It will turn around and it'll set it back down and it'll plant them rows as straight and pretty. When you go by now and you see them big field and you see them real straight, pretty rows, huh, that wasn't operator. That was GPS. Because when you drove by mine, mine had a little crooks in it here and there. 
but I took pride in trying to plant them straight. But you know why they was crooked? Because I kept turning around looking back sometimes to make sure everything was working right. See, the Bible talks about that. The Bible says a man that puts himself to hands to the plow and then looks back is not fit for the kingdom. Now, what's he saying about not fit for the kingdom? It ain't that he, ain't, he, ain't, he can't be saved or, or can't live in heaven or none of that. What he's saying is he's not fit to teach the kingdom of heaven in this world. That's what he's saying. In other words, when you put your hands to the plow, when you do your actions, you look forward to, toward Jesus and you let him be your guide and you never look back and when you get through, you'll have a straight road. Why? Because you kept your eyes on him. You see, as long as Peter kept his eyes on Jesus, he was afloat. As soon as he took his eyes off, he went down. If y'all don't know what I'm talking about, just go back and read it. Y'all with me? We got, to, we got to produce an action in order to receive. What you sow, shall shall you reap. You know, sometimes when you don't act, you still reap. You know what you reap? Nothing. So when you have things, when, when, when things come about in your life and you're not getting these things and you're not, it's not going where you want it to go and it's not happening the way you think it was, should happen, where did you sow? If you don't sow, you won't reap. And what you do sow, you will reap. Let's look at our next one. You sow to the Spirit when you do good that God gives, us, gives you an opportunity to do. So every time you get an opportunity to do good, when you do that, you are actually sowing into the Spirit. You see what I'm saying? Let's look at a scripture. This is Acts chapter 10. It says, it was speaking of Jesus said, how God anointed Jesus for Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil for God was with him. The reason that's in Acts and the reason why it's at the place that it is is because Jesus had already given them a word, if you will. He told them to go to Jerusalem and wait. He told them to go and wait on the Spirit. They would be anointed with power from on high. And, how, and he spoke about how Jesus went about doing good, and he was anointed with the power. Well, guess what? If you've been born again, you're born again in the Spirit. You have the Holy Spirit living within you, right? That's the power. You see, sometimes you say, I just don't have the power to get up in the morning and go about doing good. Well, wake up the Holy Spirit, will you? And when you get to that place, ask him, go ahead of me. You see, sometimes we try to get ahead of the Spirit. We just do. 
I do. I just try to get ahead of it. I try to do what I think is doing right. And that's not always it. If we'll, if we'll let the Holy Spirit go ahead of us and let the Holy Spirit be our guide, then we can perform the actions of the Spirit and not actions of the flesh. You see, I was 41 years old. I got saved when I was 15. And I was 41 years old before I realized what prayer was all about. 41. I wasted a bunch of years. I really did. Because I always thought that prayer was my way of getting God involved with what I'm doing. My prayer life was trying to get God on track with me. This is what I need. This is what I want. God, I need you to do it. And God just sitting up there thinking the whole time, if you change your conduct, you got to F in the fifth grade. Now you got to F at 28. No, I'm just saying that. Y'all know what I'm talking about. That our actions needs to line up with the word and not trying to get the word to line up with us. Have you ever had someone that tried to make you look bad to make them look good? Does it aggravate you when that happens? Try to, or, or like me, I'm labeled a preacher at work and I keep trying to tell them, I ain't no preacher. Leave me alone. And they got me labeled. Then every time I do something wrong, they compare themselves with me and they're comparing themselves with the wrong one, I promise you. And they tried to make their actions look good by comparing it to me. Well, guess what? That didn't help them a lick. Right? Why do we do God like that? Why do we try to say, well, God, it's all your fault because this didn't happen for me? Or it didn't go my way, but it's all God's fault. God said, you ran out ahead of me. You're trying to do your thing. I got the Holy Spirit there as a comforter and a guide to teach you and guide you through your life. And if you'll let him go ahead of you, just like I said a while ago, you'll have straight rows. But if you keep turning around and looking back, you're going to have crooked rows. And then when you get a crooked row, guess what happens when you plant crooked rows? Your cotton's going to come up in the row that you planted it in, and it's going to be crooked, and it's going to show. Y'all with me? You see what I'm trying to say? I hope. I know sometimes my pre presentations is not always as good as Pastor Keith's, of course, but I hope that you get an understanding of what it is. So what action could you take today or this week or this month that would make a big difference in your life? I'm about to run out of time. But there was four, four areas. He asked you to, to write them down and to look at 
at your, at your thought process and your personal action and your spiritual action and your relational action and your financial. And your thoughts and your words and now your actions. And you need to, to have a personal action with whatever you're wanting to change. You need to have a spiritual action. What, how, how's our best spiritual action? That's what I try to drive home the most today. The Holy Spirit. Let the Spirit guide you in your actions. And then you got a relational action. It's how you relate. You see, I had to change the way I relate to the people I work with so I don't have to come back home and ask my spouse to kill them again. You know, sometimes we just need to get an understanding of that. But let me ask you another one. What's the difference between your dog barking on the front porch and your spouse hollering on the back? Your dog's barking on the back porch and your spouse hollering on the front porch. What's the difference? You let them in, the dog shuts up. There's actions, and we have to live with them. You liked that, didn't you, Rob? But I want to drive one home for you. This just happened to me yesterday about a financial action, and I'm going to let you go home. And then when y'all see Keith, y'all tell him I did good, whether he don't, whether you think I did or not. <laughs> I appreciate it. But the financial action, you know, if you're broke all the time, then what are you spending your money on? There is a financial action to be done. It's how you act on it. I went bass fishing down to Gunnersville yesterday, and I come back out. <clears throat> I pulled my boat up out of the water, and I put up on the parking lot, and I went to wiping it down. And there's a guy from Mississippi pulled up there right beside me. He had a, I don't know, one of them Denali's, Denali, whatever, one of them big GMC, 2500 about cost about $70,000 trucks. He had a Phoenix bass boat with two power poles with a 250 on it. That bass boat cost somewhere in the upper 60s. So he had about a $130-something-thousand-dollar rig sitting there. And I was over there wiping mine down. But he said, you got a neat looking little boat. I said, thank you. He said, what model is it? I said, a 2000 model. He said, that thing looks nice for 2000. He said, you upkeep it pretty good, don't you? I said, well, you see me wiping it down. You know. I said, I'd like to have a boat like yours, but I can't afford it. He said, sure you can. He said, they give you credit. And I said it again, I can't afford it. He said, they'll give credit to anybody. I said, you ain't getting what I'm saying. If I have to go borrow the money for a 60-something thousand dollar boat, I can't afford it. He told me that boat payment was 680-something dollars a month for 20 years. 
My boat is a 2000 model. And I have upkept it. I, I, I really think as good as anybody could. I really don't think that you could do much more to keep upkeep one the way that I've upkept mine. And I've already put a new motor on it. I put a new axle, springs up under the bottom of it. I put new carpet in it. I put new electronics on it. I've done all this stuff. It still looks good, but I've had to do all this stuff to it. Well, guess what? If I'd have bought one of them 20 years ago, I'd still have two more years to make payment on it. How in the world would I put a new motor and a new, all this? You see what I'm getting at? That thing ain't going to last that long. That fella can't afford it, and he don't even know it. You know why? I really think. Now, I ain't going to sit here and try to judge no man. I don't know if he's a Christian or not. He spoke real nicely. Maybe he is. But I don't think he ever got a grasp of what the Holy Spirit trying to tell him what you can afford and what you can't afford. You can't afford to sow to the flesh. You can't afford to do the ways of the world. You can't afford to do it your way. God says today, choose life or death. And he said, oh, that you would choose life. You see, once you make that debt or that commitment, that debt is owed. It gets on my nerves. Every one of them. I don't know how many nerves, how many nerves we got, Dr. Youngblood, a bunch of them, isn't it? It gets on every one of my nerves. When I hear that commercial that says that you have a right to not pay the debt that you owe on your credit cards. Y'all ever heard that commercial? You have the right not to pay that. No, you don't. I don't know where they come up with that or what the kind of lie of the world that is. When you make a commitment, folks, you owe it. And when we sin, we owe death. But guess what? Jesus paid it for us. You see, we don't have the right to not pay it. The only right we have is the choice that you make between life and death. Choose you this day. You choose you, you die. You choose him, you live. It's that simple. But you got to act on it. There is an action to be made. And today it's your choice. Your choice. And I have done it way over time. Won't y'all stand to your feet? I'm not going to do an altar call this morning, but I, if there is anyone that needs it to talk, we have ones available. But I really believe what you need to do is you need to examine yourself. You need to get in the Word. You need to get before God. You need some quiet time. You need some personal time with Him. And we need to evaluate our thoughts, our words, and our actions. And next week, we're going to look at our attitudes. 
Lord, do some of us need an attitude adjustment? I got an attitude adjustment a few weeks ago. And the problem is the butterfly effect is a little bit of action can make a big difference. And I've changed a good bit, but I got some more to do. I think we all do. I don't think it ever hurt for us to do just a little bit more. I know it sure wasn't for me. So I asked you this morning, God asked you this morning, choose you this day whom you will serve. Choose you this day between life and death, between blessing and curse. And you know what? Maybe I do have a 2,000 model boat. But it took me out across that lake yesterday just lickety split. And it shines because I put wax on it. But you know what? On the way home, when I was thinking about that, God said, I need you to wax your spirits, huh? If we wiped down our spirit, if we waxed our spirit, and we would garage our, our spirit, we'd do a whole lot better. And then when you're old and the gray creeps in, you still look good. Y'all with me? Let's pray us out of here. Lord, we do thank you this day. We thank you especially for your spirit that gives us truth and understanding, that gives us your word. We thank you this day for the power of our thoughts, our words, and our actions. And now we ask you to give us an attitude adjustment. An attitude adjustment that says that we are to be Christ-like, to we love the people, not the spirit of the world, but the people, because they are the ones who shine for you, through you, and in you. And let that be the glory and the power forever and ever. In Jesus' name, amen.